Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Welcome to XYZ, the podcast all about sort of CNC and machining, all that kind of stuff with myself, Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives and Aaron Goff of Goff Customs. Two knife makers um, in on different journeys, I suppose, with regards to their their CNC, and um, but that will be quite apparent as we talk. How are you, Aaron? I'm going good, mate. Good, very good, productive good. this week, which is nice. Oh, awesome! What you been up to? Um, just doing uh, production work, making making knives. But um, yeah, I don't know. This this year, I'm just like looking at the amount of stuff I'm getting done in a given amount of time, and then looking back at last year and being like, "What the fuck was I doing?" <laughs> Right. Yeah. It's, it's it's going well i have to knock on wood it's going well how about you mate th- um it's been good it's been very good actually so um I, I think i talked very briefly last week about having quite a big order from a restaurant yeah um i've actually had a second one so oh, nice. um it's been really nice to see and these are you know previous customers they've ordered in the past mm. so it's nice to hear that restaurants are sort of you know thinking about their futures and you know positively um and they're sort of investing so yeah so it's very good for me um but um what that does mean is um i need this router this cnc router that i ordered um quicker than i thought um simply because what i, what I normally do with restaurant orders i make a very very simple sort of knife rack so they can have it in the in the back of the kitchen there so they can they can count the knives in and out right um because there have been issues in the past where um, you know customers may have stolen the knives and you know they're pretty expensive knives and all that kind of thing so so i make this little sort of system for them so they can count them in and out for the for the waiting staff and so on um and up until now i've always got my brother to do it because um he has access to a, a big sort of cnc machine where he where he mm-hmm. works and i'm like well i you know i should be doing this myself so that was one of the purposes of, of ordering this um the onefinity router um but the it's, it hasn't come yet and it's going to be it's still going to be m- many weeks and just by chance um <laughs> mr google um threw up an ad for me and it was one of the really cheap 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 chinese sort of 30 40 cncs right. uh, routers so it's um 30 mil by 40 mil cutting area really really cheap and it was like wait, wait, wait. you mean 300 millimeters by 400 right yes yeah is that what i said no you said 30 by 40 Ah, right. by 40 centimeters <laughs> centimeters okay ah, so yes you, so you. 300 by 400 millimeters um 
And it was like 350 euros. And I know it's going to be shit. And I know it's it's terrible. But it's like, it gives me something to play with whilst I'm waiting. Um, but it'll also allow me to make these racks. Uh, because basically it's just like perspex or acrylic. And um, I'm just engraving their logo on the front of this window to hold the, hold the knives in. So It's acrylic. Why aren't you laser cutting them? Um, well, you can't with uh, a fiber laser. If I had a CO2 laser, I could. Um, well. That but sounds not... like you should have bought a CO2 laser rather than a... <laughs> Quite possibly. Perhaps I need one of them as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that's actually coming tomorrow. So that's quite exciting. Um, but it, it's 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 got a Mac 3 board in it um, as opposed Great. to Gerbil, which is everything else I've, I've used previously. So the more I've looked into Mac 3, every time I see it, I just think, Jesus, this thing is damn, damn ugly and looks <laughs> like something from you know, the 1970s when people imagined what um, computer interfaces would look like. Um, so I'm thinking, oh, geez, I'm going to have to you know, learn a, a new skill of basically just blurring out my eyes and just getting the work done. Um, but what I did find, which I didn't know was possible, are um, Mark III screen sets. Mm-hmm. And they've got them on their website. Um, so they're basically, they're like skins. Remember back in the day when everybody had like Winamp on their Windows yeah. machine and you could yeah. get like Winamp skins and they were all terrible. Yeah. Well, the ones on the, uh, the Mark III website, um, they are all terrible. So any screen set you download, they're still going to be just as bad. But I did find a YouTube video um, from a, on a channel called Physics Anonymous. Um, and this guy's got a background in sort of UI design and, and that kind of thing. And he's made this really beautiful um, screen set for Mac 3. And it's hmm. a very sort of modern design. It takes away all the crap that you don't need. Um, it's still accessible, but it, it, it's, it's not you know, immediate. So, yeah, he's he's made a video on that, and he's made a, a free download um, for the screen set. So I'll make sure I put the uh, the YouTube um, URL for that in the in the description. So, so yeah, so I can have a, a machine to play with tomorrow, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, nice. As I said, you couldn't you couldn't get cheaper. Um, it's you know it, it's damn cheap, but it, it will do the job for this for this one thing that I need. Um, so yeah, so 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 that's quite exciting. Um, it's got a <laughs> a 300 watt spindle. Ooh. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I'm engraving, you know, 0.5 of a millimetre on acrylic. It'll do the job with a, you know, a little uh, V-bit in it, I'm sure. I predict pain in your future. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, and, you know, this this is very, very much a temporary machine till, you know, <laughs> what I'd, I'd, I'd consider, you know, a far better proper machine. You're um, the only person I know who, who's ever bought a temporary CNC machine. <laughs> well this is for a, a very specific job um and it's it's like i said it was dirt cheap it was like 350 euros um right. and you know it's quite a big order that i've got and this this will help me do that uh, you know aside from that i'd be i'd be giving the, the design files over to my brother in the uk and with the postal system at the moment and and all the rest of it. it's just 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 get it done, get it done. And I say, it gives me some to play with as well. So I'm quite happy with that. Yeah, I think that's the primary motivation. Let's, I think so. Let's just put it that way, <laughs> yeah. Craig wanted a new toy. Yes, yeah. And they can tell your wife, oh, I had to buy it because I need it now. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what else have I been doing? This week, so I've been 3D printing a lot. Um, so I've mm-hmm. been working in the background on this sort of little folded knife, a very sort of classic sort of slip joint knife. Um, not, you know, not like a big aggressive caram bit or anything. It's very much a sort of gentleman's 
sleek, yep. slimline thing. Um, and I've been doing a lot of 3D printing um, to make sure the parts will work and get the sizes right, that kind of thing. Um, and that come in really, really handy. So, yeah, so that's been good. All printed in PETG. Um, mm. And it's, yeah, it, it's nice, actually. So I've got a bunch of them here in my hand from you know, different sizes and all that kind of thing. You weren't um, printing PETG previously, were you? You, I th- you weren't you printing PLA? It was previously? always PLA. Um, about three weeks ago, I had a delivery of um, uh, Prusament, um, mm-hmm. which was uh, PETG. Um, it's nice, but <laughs> what I'm finding with this little Prusa Mini is you need to wait 10 minutes before you take it off the bed, whereas with... Um, with anything else, you could just snatch it off the bed and you're ready to go. Right. This stuff runs so hot, um, you need such a temperature to print in. And right. um, with the, the the spring steel bed that these these Prusas have, it stays hot for a long, long time. So what I'm finding is if I am sort of prising it off too early, the PETG will, will um, bend right. and it'll right. sort of cool down with that, with that sort of bend in it. So, yeah, it just needs a bit of patience. Take your time. Um, take it off and they're, and they're they're really nice prints actually I'm, I'm yeah really happy with them and it, the ptg is quite glossy right i haven't actually used it personally it is it is and i mean i've I've got um i've got two in my hand one pla and one petg here in my hand um it is yeah i'd say it is it is more glossy um it definitely doesn't feel as brittle mm. um but there is a bit more of a bend to it I, I, it's not as structurally um rigid yeah. i'd say yeah. Um, is the PLA, but um, but I like it. It it yeah, it works well. And you haven't tried the Prusament ASA yet? I haven't. No, no. Yeah, I think you should give that a shot. I've I've been using a little bit of ASA here, and it's it's really nice. Like the, I really dislike glossy finishes on three D prints. Really? Personally. Oh right, okay. Yeah, just because I feel like it really shows up the the layer lines. Okay. Um, yeah. I really like the matte finishes, and the ASA naturally comes out with a matte finish, which looks really nice. Nice. Um, and it, yeah, it's a pretty surprisingly durable material. Well, I'm using the the Prusament, and I've gone for um, the Galaxy Black. So, mm. as well as being glossy, there's like glitter in there as well. So, this is a real sort of disco print. This is, um, <laughs> but that yeah, I like it. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Nice. Yeah, I actually had a. Um, so, I think last week I was talking about 3D printing sheaths, and how I was about to tear my hair out because I couldn't make it work yes um and i was yeah luckily enough to be able to finally make it work i did see i did see. how long do they take to print each sheath there uh about four hours oh, okay. okay which isn't so, too bad honestly yeah. like um you know so if i was going if i was going to go into production with them then i would you know put six of them on a build plate and just leave them to print mm. overnight yeah um and yeah, it was interesting because the what actually um, allowed me to do that in the end was all of the work that I've been doing with redesigning my models in Fusion. Um, so like previously, I had you know my sheath as like a separate file from the knife, and then I would add the the knife into that design and then you know work on it. But hmm. I, like I've said previously, like having separate having like really closely related designs in separate files like that's really brittle because then you have to like manually pull in the updates every time you make a change to the yeah the knife. yeah um so with my new model i actually have like the blade and scales and the sheath and a scout carry mount and all sorts of stuff in one design all as separate components and that means that i can do derived geometry really easily so you're you're like you know um taking the shape 
where the handle scales intersect a certain plane and projecting it into a sketch and then using that as part of the sheath design. Gotcha. And so then if you, you were then to change the handle material, would it change the sheath design? Exactly. Yeah. Gotcha. Nice. Whereas, and previously that would kind of work, but it would have been much more brittle. Um, so yeah, by being able to kind of move stuff around quickly and, and iterate, I was able to um, kind of manually tweak a design that ended up working. It's not, it's not perfect, but it, it does actually work quite well. Um, so yeah, that was printed in carbon fiber nylon, which is really a super strong material. Like it's, it's really impressive compared mm. to other materials. Um, but I actually had one uh, listener write in and say that they um, had a suggestion to make the sheaths even stronger, which is uh, steel or aluminum inserts. And he says he uses this technique quite a lot, which is really interesting. So you, you basically, in your model, you leave like a void inside the print, like a little square, tall void. Mm. Um, and then you actually insert into the printing process a break. So it's when, you know, the print head's going to stop and move off to the side. And then you put a bit of steel stock in there and then resume the print. And it, it like prints you know, to cover up that bit of steel, and then you end yeah. up with, you know, a, a composite part, which I thought was wow. really cool. Yeah. So almost having, like, like battening within, within the print. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, so I thought that was a super cool idea. I think the sheaths are a bit too skinny to make it work in my case, but, like, yeah, if, if yeah, you ever need is, a really cool. strong print. Then... Yeah. So do you think going forward that is what you will be doing, printing sheaths? I don't know. The, the problem is that, like, if the, so currently I thermoform them, right? So I take yeah. a sheet of plastic and heat it up and put it over a mold, and then I CNC trim it. Um, and that is relatively quick. Um, the biggest issue that I have is that I can't, like, fully model that shape. Um, it Because it's this, like, really organic flowing form, it's, it's really, really difficult to model it. Yeah. Um, I actually put a, a thing up on Practical Machinist asking people, um, so this is a forum that I'm on all the time, asking people, like, you know, how the fuck do you do this? Like, does anybody know how to actually model this shape? Mm. And so far, the answer has been, like, not really. Mm. Um, apparently, there's a tool in SolidWorks called Deform that lets you literally deform one solid over another with kind of variable stiffness. And that might get what we need, what I need. Right. Yeah. Um, but it honestly seems like 3D scanning is like the easiest way to get a 3D model of this part, which mm. is crazy because it means I'd have to like, um, you know, manually make a prototype. So I'd have to make like the mold and I'd have to make the CNT trimming process and all of that stuff to take a 3D model, a 3D scan to then potentially to then 3D print it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, gee. So you're using Kydex at the moment, I assume. Yes. Yeah. Because you did send me just this week, actually, a, um, a a sort of alternative to Kydex, which mm -hmm. was recycled material, which looked really cool. Yeah. So that was um, I was looking for ASA sheets. So the material we were just talking about for 3D printing. So ASA is basically a replacement for the more common ABS mm. plastic. Um, and the reason that they wanted to make a replacement is because ABS is quite susceptible to UV degradation, um, which is a real problem, particularly in the auto industry. So yeah. ASA is used to make like 
um, door panels and dash parts and, you know, all sorts of different bits of cars. Um, and you can leave it outside in the sun for like 10 years, 20 years, and it's fine. Um, so I was looking for sheets of that to see, oh, could I try thermoforming out of that rather than Kydex? And yeah, I found this European company that sells um, co-extruded ASA, ABS. So it's ASA on the outside, ABS on the inside. And then it's formed into sheets like Kydex. And yeah. it's really inexpensive. But they well, also I've have... I've some um, sampled, free samples, basically. Nice. So in Europe, they'd, they'd send you some samples. And um, the actual sample size that they send in is big enough to make a, a sheath for a knife. So, so, I'll, so I'll make one just to see, yeah, if, if it'll work in the same way as Kydex. I, I imagine it would do. Yeah, it should do. I mean, yeah. so like uh, the, um, the material that I told you about, obviously you know this, but listeners don't, was a uh, recycled grade of ABS. Um, which is really cool. You know, I knew that that would fit into your ethos pretty well of, of reuse. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, that was actually one thing I've been thinking about a bit is like, okay, if I can't, like, I'm trying to minimize my amount of waste, you know, because with Kydex, my process, I throw out about 40% of the Kydex that I buy. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, because you're, you're cutting it off, you're turning it into chips, whatever, right? And it's, that just seems super wasteful. So I'm trying to work out a way to waste less. Um, and using a recycled material would be great. Um, there is actually recycled grades of Kydex available, which I didn't realize previously. Um, oh, I didn't know that either, no. So, yeah. so you're, you are forming over a, a bunch of knives at once, or, or, or molds at once, as opposed to a singular yeah. knife, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's four knife halves. So it makes two sheaves per, you, per yeah. cycle. Yeah. Um, yeah, and honestly, like, Kydex is great. So Kydex is a PVC and acrylic um, copolymer. Um, and it's very easy to form. It keeps its thickness when you form it. Um, it come, you know, you can get it in sheets with a nice texture. The biggest problem is that because it's easy to form, that means that its high temperature resistance is not great. Mm. Um so once you heat it up above about 60 degrees Celsius, so like you know, 170, 180 Fahrenheit, um, it starts to soften and deform and try to return to its original flat shape. Yeah, yeah. The issue I have is because it's, it's very much a sort of manual process for me. Um, mm-hmm. So the amount of pressure that's been put on the... On the um in the in the sort of mold or the the, the press, it's a press. Yeah. Um, the amount of pressure put on there, even though it, you try to make it the same each time, it's it's never accurate. So sometimes you may find that a sheath is maybe a little bit too tight or maybe a little bit too loose. Mm. So what I end up doing then is using as you know hot air gun and then doing a bit of extra work around there. So they're never identi- Each one is is not identical to the next. Right. Well, I've got a. I've got a, a tip for you on that one. It's a knife-making tip rather than a CNC tip. But um, if you put a spacer in your press, so um, the, I'm guessing that the press that Craig is using is a, kind of a clamshell press with foam on the inside. Exactly, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so you use the foam to, to squish the Kydex onto the sheath. But yeah, as you said, like if you tighten the clamps down more one time than another time, then you get a different level of, of drape. Um so what you, what I used to do is actually I put bolts sticking up from the bottom half of the clamshell, and I can adjust the length of the bolts, like how much they stick up, right? Uh-huh. And that uh, controls how much the clamshell it can close, and that means that every single time your clamping pressure is the same. Well, 
Things you learn, hey? Wow. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? Like, I've had to, to battle through that stuff because it's like, you, you know, like, my knives are the same every time, but the, you know, the Kydex may not be, mm. right? Because of things like that. So now I use a pneumatic press um, yeah. to, to form my Kydex to make sure that it's the same every time. Yeah. But yeah, like, the, the high temperature side of things is a pain because you know if a customer i haven't had this happen often it's only happened like twice out of like 1400 knives which is pretty good but i'm trying to go for the next level you know Mm, um if a customer leaves their knife in a car in a hot climate and then like the inside of the car can get to like 70 degrees celsius um you know and at that point the the sheath will lose its retention yes yeah yeah um Mm. so I'm trying to go for a wider service temperature. Um, and there are actually, there's like 20 different grades of Kydex. I had no idea. I just thought Kydex was Kydex. Yeah, I just thought it was a brand name of a, of a certain specific material, yeah. Yeah, but like the stuff that we use as knife makers is Kydex T, which is the economical grade of Kydex. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, and then they have other versions like 7200 ST, which is like designed for high performance aircraft interiors. Because that's like the main use of Kydex is actually thermoforming all the parts of inside of aircraft. Right, okay. So like all the walls and the, the toilets and all that kind of stuff. Um yeah, and this stuff has a service temperature of up to like hundred degrees Celsius. Yeah, um, awesome. yeah. So but I mean I I use Kydex. Yeah. I <laughs> use Kydex problem. mainly as a um protection for the knife so but my chef knife for example i i I don't make cardex sheets i I know some knife makers who do actually and it's it's a good call because it's that extra protection in shipping as well Mm -hmm. you you know you're putting your your edges away um so i've been thinking how the best way to um protect a knife in shipping um Mm -hmm. but not necessarily having a sheath um, so some people will make um, like sires, which are like a, almost like a wooden sheath that doesn't quite cover the handle, literally just for the blade. Um, but I'm finding a lot of these things, certainly the, speaking to the chefs that I know, they they discard them. They're not really being used because they normally right. have like a knife rack or a knife roll and they'll, they'll put them in. I was thinking, what's the best way to to package a knife um, so it's so it's safe in shipping? Because obviously they have delicate edges, that kind of thing. So... Um, I'm hoping I'm going to try it with this with this new CNC that's coming tomorrow. I'm going to try it with it, um, but basically just taking a piece of like a like a two by four pine, splitting mm-hmm. it down the middle, um, and just milling out the shape. Yeah. Um, and then I've got like this, you know, like you know the flocking stuff. So it's like a like a paint glue, um, and then it's it's like really really small fibers, and you sort of pump it on yeah top and in you know that flocking that you get in like yeah. jewelry boxes that kind of thing so just just flock the inside of that um so if the knife were to rattle so let's say it's not milled perfectly um if the knife were to rattle it's at least it's got a soft edge um so it's it's literally entombed within within wood um which is obviously you know burnable and, <laughs> and that sounds like a pain in the ass craig I think it could work. I think it's, I don't know. I think it's, it's certainly going to protect the knife. Um, as long as you, you're not using a massive bit of wood, which is going to be heavy in shipping, mm-hmm. all it needs then is like a, like, a, like a sleeve to go around it to keep the, to keep the two together. And that's yep. got all your branding on, all that kind of thing. Um, I don't know. I'm going to give it a go, particularly at the moment with this pocket knife, because the pocket knife is going to be very small. 
um, right. and just a normal box to put it in is not really going to work. So entombing it within something, um, you'd be you'd, you know it'd be great to do it like in in brass or something. Obviously that'd be pretty expensive, but um, yeah, just just wood. I'm, I'm going to try that um, and see and see where we go. I have thought about doing the same thing actually, um, minus the flocking probably, but I. I don't know if I would go with pine. Like, wouldn't you want to go with a hardwood? Well, I think two reasons for pine. One, it's it's very light. Um, and inexpensive. And also, also, it's you know, it's soft. So, you know, any hard edges, if it's rattling against a hardwood, there's, uh, you know, a chance of chipping or dulling mm. the blade. That That's sort of my thinking. Um, but, yeah, I'll try it with a number of materials. The I, I don't know if you're aware of um, Toma from Florentine Kitchen Knives. Yeah, um, he makes these beautiful, beautiful knives. Um, he started CNC in as well, actually now because he makes these um, like G10 inserts that they, they go on the tang of his knife. But um, mm-hmm. his packaging is incredible. So his is the same sort of idea. So it's the knife is entombed, um, but he actually uses a, a corrugated cardboard. Mm, right. Um, in layers, and then the knife, the the knife shape is cut out, and then there's a lid which is exactly the same. So it's it's, it's almost like a brick of cardboard, um, which is really really cool. Um, but I think trying to, I'm, I'm not sure how he gets those made, um, but I'd imagine just trying to sort of mill that could give you terrible edging. So I imagine it's a drag right. knife, or there's some sort of big die to cut to cut out the, uh, the shape of the knife there. Now the use for a laser. Possibly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. Um, I don't think he does use a laser because there's no burned edges. On it. It, 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 it's yeah, very much pristine cut. on here, so I think it's die cut. Yeah, um, and you know, if you if you're doing thousands of knives in the same shape, it's, you know, it's economical to do it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but when your your knives are pretty custom each time, it is not really going to work. So, so, so yeah. So I think that's another way I could maybe use a mill in the shop. Um, is right. is for packaging purposes purposes too. Well, I, I don't want to give away his secrets, but my, my buddy Mike, what he does is just put corks on the edge. Really? Yeah. That's in, like, bottle corks? Just... Yeah, like, just, um, you know, used recycled bottle corks, it's, sticks them all along the edge, and then... Well, there's, there's, there's plenty of them in my house. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's a good idea, yeah. 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 Makes sense. Works pretty well. Yeah. And, I mean... Considering what we just said with Tome, he's using um, corrugated cardboard to make those stacks. You can get um, like cork sheets, super super cheap. So really? making a block out of cork and milling out that that could be quite cool as well. Super mm-hmm. light, super light, super soft for you know, and if edges are banging against it, rattling inside in any way, uh, yeah, that's another idea. Oh, that, I didn't know that. I would have thought cork would have been expensive. It's kind of labor intensive to harvest it. Yeah, but you can get the um, like floor tiles um, or mm. like ceiling tiles, um, which are maybe eight millimeters thick, um, and you buy big packs of them, you know, super super cheap, um, and then layering them up. Maybe that's maybe that's another approach I'll look at. Yeah, yeah, that might not be bad. Well, yeah, I've been looking for a similar thing because like right now the inserts from my packaging are all um, water jet cut foam. Yeah. Um, which works, and people do tend to keep them, but I would rather have something that's recyclable. Yes, yeah. My, my thought is either recyclable and sort of disposable in that way, or something which is special enough for people to want to keep yes. them. Yeah. But I don't think people really will. You know, I think, first of all, I want my knives to be used anyway, not really, you know, kept in a box. So, mm-hmm. um, so yes, yeah, so leaning more towards that sort of 
you know, recycled materials and then, you know, being able to be recycled as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. It's 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 crazy how difficult it is to like get away from like yeah, you know, so those recycled ABS sheets that I sent you, those I think those are the first recycled material that I've seen that wasn't like more expensive than the non recycled material. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like yeah. the there's just perverse incentives at work there, you know, like it's Yeah. Making it's, new it's like shit eating is... well, isn't it? Yeah, Eat, eating well, healthy stuff is uh, far more expensive than eating McDonald's yeah. cheap crap all day. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a bit nuts. Like I think, I do think that probably the governments need to step in and start, you know, I don't know, put a levy on like um, what they call virgin, like new unused plastic, you know. Mm. Um, help subsidize the the reuse because that was one of the things i've been talking to this company in the states called eco and close um and they're really a super cool company they do um packaging made from 100 percent post-consumer recycled cardboard um fully recyclable printed with like biodegradable inks all this kind of stuff like it's just very very focused on that and you know one of the things they said is like you know using recycled materials is is great and using recyclable materials, it's great, but you should also consider, can you use the, like, recycled materials of other materials that would otherwise end up in landfill? Right. You yeah. know, like that recycled ABS we were, plastic sheet we were just talking about. Because if there's no demand for the recycled stuff, then no one recycles it. It just goes into yeah. landfill. Yeah. Um, so in some ways, using the recycled materials actually helps more than, like, you know, using something else that's more environmentally friendly like paper but is new yeah that makes know? sense yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 and i never thought about it that way before so it's kind of interesting yeah and this whole thing about you know plastics being you know the evil i think if they're used properly for things that are meant to last forever yeah. plastic is great because it you know it will last forever almost yep. and it, it doesn't need to be replaced but um yeah it's just you know smart thinking of where it's going to be used i suppose yeah and i like honestly i'm i've always thought of like plastic as being well like previously i've generally thought of plastic as being like a throwaway thing you know because that's how yeah. our culture has been kind of exposed to it but like in the cnc machines that i've restored in the couple of fidals they have lubrication lines that carry the grease and oil to the linear ways and some of them are copper and some of them are flexible nylon tube and i've had to replace a lot of the copper ones and i've had to replace (laughs) none of the nylon ones yeah which which Mm. is kind of nuts to me like i would never have thought that the nylon would be more durable or that it would withstand that kind of use for you know 25 years but that like i haven't had to replace a single nylon um lube line which is which is nuts to me yeah so it's the problem and it's the great thing all at once. But I mean, you need yeah. to wait till you have kids and then you'll see the amount of plastic. Yeah. That's just everywhere. Diapers and the stuff, yeah. Toys and stuff. It's just, everything is just plastic and it's just like, ugh. You well, see the... why? Because it's easy to clean and yes. clean down. But, oh my God. The thing that really pisses me off is always like, you know, if you go out and buy a, a, like, a package of plastic cutlery, like, so, you know, I do this once in a while for like picnics or, or whatever. So you don't, you know, lose stuff. But there's been a couple where I was just like, you know what, I'm going to chuck these in the in the sink and I'll wash them and keep keep reusing them. Hmm. And like I've I've got a, like a you know disposable quote unquote plastic spoon that I've just been using at the shop and bringing home and rewashing for like over a year. 
<laughs> Your favourite spoon. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I'm living the high life here. But, like, <laughs> that shit's supposed to be used once and thrown away. Why yeah, is it... That's- why is it made to last a year? You know, like... Yeah, it is crazy. Yeah, and if we send it to landfill, it's going to last for a thousand years. Like, it yeah. it just kind of blows my mind that shit like that happens, you know? Yeah, yeah. There we are. It's the world we're living in, I'm afraid. Yeah, well... So... Yeah, we just have I to s- make shit last forever, I guess, right? Yeah, People yeah. want it to last forever. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, I, I sent you a link this week as well to um, somebody machining a blade. Yes. On a relatively inexpensive um, CNC machine, which is the uh, the Nomad from Carbide 3D. Mm-hmm. And Carbide 3D, they make the, you know, the sort of Carbide Create and Carbide Motion, you know, that sort of CAD CAM software. Um, but obviously they make, I, th- I think they make the Shape Oco, which is more of a sort of woodworker's CNC yep. router. But then they've got the Nomad, which is like a desktop um what I'd consider to be like a, a, a proper milling machine, maybe. No. Well, it's, it's, you know, it's that that's the aim of it. It's a desktop version of that, I suppose, yeah. as opposed to a big uh, woodworking. It's um, a bit of a stiffer router. Okay, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a bit of a stiffer. That's what we'll call it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, they've made like a series of videos, like a playlist of of them making um, a knife from mm-hmm. f- basically from scratch, and they they do the blade, um, and they do the uh, the handle and all that kind of thing. And I was wondering what your thoughts were on that because they seem to be very sort of low powered spindle, um, yeah, very, as a very inexpensive machine, but they sort of did get the job done. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it so it didn't sound good. Um, and it the the finish quality of the like of the surface finishes it looked a little bit like a rabid beaver has had been used as a tool <laughs> but it did work yeah which honestly i didn't think it would um so yeah i was i was pretty impressed by that and i will say too that um like the tooling choices that they used were you know, I, I, was, I don't know, I'm sounding like a dick here. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to minimize their accomplishment. I think it was really, really cool that they tried it and made it work. You know, yeah. but the the tooling choices were really suboptimal. Like, the um, the tools are quite small. You know, they're like three millimeters or, or four millimeters in diameter. Mm. Um, you know, so like three sixteenths or or something like that. And then the stick out was really long. You know, so they had. Uh, the part of the tool, the shank that has no flutes, they had that sticking out of the collet, you know, uh, 10 millimeters, like, you know, three eighths of an inch. And then they have the flutes underneath that, which are another half an inch, you know, another like 12 millimeters. So you've got this massive lever acting on the spindle. And like, honestly, if I, if I hung a tool out that long, you know, that size tool that far on my machines, my, you know, big 5,000 pound milling machines, um, they would chatter. They would, yeah. you know, make an ugly finish. So, I'd be really curious what would happen if you were to tackle that same, you know, kind of approach with really short, stubby, yeah. well set up tools. You know, and I wonder if that's due to the the Z axis not having that much travel to go down low enough for you know a knife which is you know pretty thin stock. Yeah, I'm not um, sure. I mean, I talked mm. to the guys from Bantam because mm. they I've seen you know, a few times in their videos where they're doing demos and the, the tools are really sticking out too. And I asked, how, you know, how come? And they basically said that the way those little spindles are designed, they can't get the shank of the tool in far enough. Like, there's not enough room for it right, to go okay. in further. Yeah. Um, mm. 
so yeah, I mean, in that case, personally, I'd be trimming the shanks. Like I, you get like a little diamond cutoff. I've actually had to do this in the past. You get a little diamond cutoff wheel in a Dremel, and you just cut the shank off. Yeah, shorter. Yeah. Um, because yeah, particularly with a little machine like that, like every every millimeter of extra stick out out of the spindle, um, is just like bad. Yeah. Yeah, and f- for those who haven't seen these little nomads, they're very much like the um, like the Bantam Tools desktop CNC, very sort of similar design. But mm-hmm. again, down in the in the uh, show notes, I'll put a link to this this playlist where they where they um, they go through the whole process of the design and the, and the manufacture of, of this one knife, which I think they call the cardboard camp knife. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's cool to see. It's cool to see, and especially if you you know if you haven't sort of seen the whole process before, um, they explain it quite well. Yeah. Yeah, and that that style of machine makes a ton of sense. So, like, the table moves back and forth in Y, and then the spindle moves left and right in X and up and down in Z. You know, like, that's exactly the same style of design as I was saying uh, would be on my, like, unlimited budget machine, yeah. the Okuma Generous, right? So, like, that that design makes a ton of sense. Like, you get a ton of stiffness for a given weight. I just, I would love to see more machines that size that are made of, like, you know, one inch aluminum plate and yeah. like with some big ass, you know, even if they're still round rails, they're like, you know, one inch rails or something, right? With a, maybe the big cast iron base to it and a bit of sort of weight and yeah. Well, I, I think the, the one inch aluminum plate would, would probably be enough. But like, I oh, think right, at that yeah. point you'd be, you know, if, and the problem there, honestly, you get back to the spindle, <laughs> right? So mm. we're going to, we're going to plug my spindle again. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you get back to the spindle, right? Because the, those little spindles are just really not designed to cut steel. Um, and the stiffness of the spindle would, at that point, be a huge limiting factor. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I would just really love to see, like, a little desktop CNC that's, you know, hard milling steel. Yeah. You know, like, that would be... A bit more capable than what's available at the moment. Yeah, yeah. it'd be amazing. Hmm. So, what's going on in space? This week's space news brought to you by Aaron Gunn, which seems to be a regular part of the I, show. I have added a few space things here, yeah. <laughs> well, so last week, um, uh, SpaceX did another test flight of their Starship, um, which was a bit explodey. Um <laughs> But yeah, so it was kind of funny, actually, there was an exchange on Twitter where, so basically what happened was, you know, the rocket went up, it did its belly flop, it started coming back down, and then, you know, it's literally like a couple of hundred meters from the ground, it has to like flip itself so it's pointing butt downward, and then relight its engines, and and they basically, they call this maneuver a suicide burn, where you light the engines and you have just enough time to make the rocket stop. And if it doesn't stop, then you you go splat. Um, And basically what happened was they were supposed to be lighting two engines, but only one lit. So they just simply didn't have anywhere near enough power. And then there's this really funny exchange on Twitter where someone said to Elon, they were like, hey, why don't you light all three engines and then just turn one off if, if, you know, if they all light? And Elon responded, it was like, because we were stupid. Fair enough. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I do like his sort of openness on Twitter and and how he's uh y- you wouldn't expect this man to be, you know, 
maybe the richest man or one of the richest men in the world who owns you know these super cool companies mm-hmm. to be so loose-lipped online it's, it's quite cool yeah maybe it's sometimes too loose-lipped like he's been fined by the sec a few times for making like statements yeah. that would affect the financial outcome of tesla you know yeah. oh we're gonna well, do mean, this just, just yesterday he announced that um him or, or or the business rather had bought i think 150 billion dollars worth of bitcoin and immediately bitcoin value soared <laughs> so if yeah. he he had that sort of influence that he could then withdraw that money and make well like 400 million within within the hour or something ridiculous exactly. you know it's crazy well and the thing is too like bitcoin isn't regulated it's not like a mm. security it's it's not subject to like sec rules as far as i know so like that kind of manipulation yep. is totally allowed yeah, yeah. When you've got that kind of clout and you've got that much money to be able to dump in, it's certainly going to raise the prices, which is crazy. Yeah, and I don't think that was what he was aiming to do, but yeah, it was it was up. I mean, I don't know. Every time I look at Bitcoin, like the first time I saw Bitcoin, one of my friends was like, "Oh, you should check out this Bitcoin stuff." Now, mm. you know, you, you can use it to like buy sketchy stuff online. And it was like <laughs> it was like 12 cents a Bitcoin. Yes. At that point. Yeah. And I didn't buy any. I've got a bit of a story with Bitcoin. So probably about six or seven years ago, um, I had, I, th- I think it was maybe a full coin at the time, which was probably mm-hmm. about $500. Yep. It wasn't that much. And um, we were when we were getting married, my wife and I, um, we've, we've got a, a friend who makes jeans, um, mm-hmm. a company called Hyatt Denim. And um, we said, oh, could we have these custom jeans made for like the, all the groomsmen? Because we... You were wearing jeans to get married. It was quite a strange thing. Um, <laughs> and they, he was like, yeah. He said, well, if you do me a favor, he said, we're, we are, we're opening up our cart to accept Bitcoin. And they're, they're very sort of forward thinking. This was sort of six years ago. Right. And I was just like, yeah, I'll just, I'll just use the Because, it, you know, at the time I had it for probably maybe a couple of years. It wasn't really going anywhere. It was, you know, it was up and down slightly. It, not, it wasn't have massive gains at all. And I was like, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll use that and I'll buy these jeans. So my wedding jeans um, I bought with Bitcoin, and it was only the other day my wife and I were talking about that. And it's like the value on those jeans now is probably about $32,000 on these yeah. jeans. And I should have just, just held on to them, yeah, which is uh, one of those things. Who knows? Yeah, it's one of those things. Every time I look at it, I'm like, you know, I could make a lot of money, theoretically. But theoretically, I could also lose a lot of money. Lose because a lot of money. Yeah, exactly. there's no inherent value to Bitcoin. It can go anywhere, anytime, you know. Exactly, so, yeah. Yeah. We bought sort of $500 worth each, my wife and I, just before Christmas as it was sort of rising. Um, and then probably about four weeks ago, there was this massive dip. And again, it's obviously from yesterday, it's gone, it's gone way back up again. But mm-hmm. I think the way to look at it is always to sort of zoom out on that graph and look at the value over the last year or the last three years. And, it, you know, it's consistently gone up. Um, but, yeah, the minute you start, you know, zooming into that graph and looking at, you know, the day or the month, it's never going to look good. Yeah. Well, just remember, kids, that's currency speculation. Like, <laughs> it, there's no inherent value in Bitcoin. It could crash to 12 cents tomorrow and no one could do anything. So Yeah, and please don't take any financial advice from, from an idiot like myself. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Uh, every time though i'm like god damn it 12 cents i could have sunk one paycheck in and never had to work again but you know yeah yeah well shit happens um yeah so on the topic of elon so like i he and i don't agree on on all the things (laughs) let's be clear but i do like the fact that you know if we have to have the world's richest man 
be Elon, then at least he made money doing shit that, like, kind of makes the world a better place. Yeah, I think his intent is good. Yeah. I think it certainly seems to be compared to, you know, other billionaires that are out there. I know exactly (laughs) who you're thinking of. Yeah, Yeah, I 100% agree. So in line with that, he just announced... um, an X prize. So there's, there's been a history of these prizes where, you know, organizations or individuals will say like, I'll give you a million dollars if you do this crazy thing. Mm -hmm. So I think Bill Gates had one for like making condoms that were like better than not using condoms. You got like a million bucks, you know, because that would help solve a lot of, um, you know, sexually transmitted disease problems in a lot of places. Um, But Elon just announced one for a hundred million dollars for gigaton scale carbon capture which is super cool. So, you know, if you can make a plant that can capture carbon way more effectively than a tree, and then we can just, like, lock it underground or fire it into the sun or whatever he's planning to do with it, hmm. then you'll give $100 million. And along the way there, too, it's like there's 18 semifinalists, and each semifinalist team will get a $1 million. And then there's, like, 20 student teams that'll each get 200000 Wow. So a real incentive for people to, yeah. to get on board then. Yeah, which is interesting because like that's a technology that hasn't really it's had some cash dumped into it, but everyone previously has pretty much been like, No, that's stupid. You'll never make yeah. it work well enough. And that's actually one of the things I really like about Elon, is that like lots of people have told him his ideas were stupid. And he's pretty much always, like, everyone, you know, when, when he started making electric cars, like, electric cars were ugly and stupid and no one wanted them. Mm. And when he said, oh, we're going to make the, the, an electric car that's going to be better than, you know, internal combustion, everyone was like, that's a dumb idea and you should feel bad. Yeah. And he was like, well, watch me. You know, and same, same thing with SpaceX. Like, like space, <laughs> you know, space, air, like, aerospace is profitable because... Of massive cost overruns. Like, I'm sure you've seen in the States, there's um, a company called the United Launch Alliance that do a lot of work for NASA. And they've been given, like, more than twice as much money as SpaceX to participate in the commercial launch program. So to, you know, send astronauts to the the space station. Mm. And they still still haven't got a rocket that works. (laughs) Like, they've spent so much money and... It's taken so much longer than they were supposed to, you know. So there's money in there for the contractors. But in terms of, like, delivering results, if you have to do that, not so much in terms of profit, yeah. you know. So people kind of laughed at SpaceX and were like, that's a t- super dumb idea. And again, you know, so... Yeah. yeah, I just, I think it's super cool to... I honestly, like, one of my favorite things is when someone tells me, oh, you can't do that. Being able to prove them wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. watch me. That nothing will make is, me work they harder. They, they can't do that. Yeah. And they want to see you fail for that reason. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing will make me hard, work harder than when someone tells me that, like, something I think is possible is impossible. So I, <laughs> I, I definitely enjoy seeing that happen on a larger scale. Yeah. You know, I'm looking through the list of stuff, our talking points for the week here. <laughs> and the next one is making me feel sick. What, really? Feel... <laughs> I, I'm just imagining the smell. So. Eris just put on the on the uh, on the list here three d printed meat um so I'm wondering is that what your tattoo on the chest says yeah three d printed meat because yeah. we can just see we can just see the outline of meat, so I'm thinking is it three d printed meat is that... yeah when I die it'll the people realize it says i am three d printed meat <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I thought this um, was super cool. So, like, we've talked a little bit in the past about vat-grown meat. So, you know, the yeah. idea that you would, you know, in a Petri dish, an industrial-sized Petri dish, you would, you know, culture meat. Like, But the problem is that, like, it doesn't have any structure. You, like, you'd be eating, like, meat custard. Yeah. You know, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be good. No texture at all. No just, texture. Yeah, just yeah. pink slop. Yeah. So this company in Israel called Ayla Farms have been bioprinting meat. So they're basically taking, you know, uh, fat cells and muscle cells and the different types of cultured cells and then 3D printing them in a structure of a steak. You know, right. like a nicely marbled steak to give you that that texture that you would expect. And I honestly, like, as soon as I saw that, I was like, that makes a ton of sense. Why haven't I heard about that before? Like, that that's exactly what you need to make, like, you know, vat-grown meat. Mm. Uh, so do you think thing. I could get a, like, a hopper on the top of my little Prusa Mini here and just put, like, <laughs> ground beef into it and just... <laughs> just... <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna say yes go for it <laughs> uh, I, I, I've got a bit I don't know it, it probably is the future um, but I've, I've got this thing of okay I mean these are, these are lab grown meat so this isn't like yeah. the meat replacement stuff that we've seen a lot of now like you know like bacon which is the fake bacon and they're basically just using lots of like soya and stuff like that which, mm. which isn't good for you anyway and it's really bad for you so this this is it's meat. real real yeah. meat okay yeah. Yeah, and I think this is really interesting because it's attacking the carbon problem from the other end, you know, rather than capturing it. Like, deforestation for, for um, cattle is, like, a super big issue. And then, mm. funnily enough, cows fart a lot. A lot. A yes. lot. And yes. cows fart methane. And methane's a more powerful greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide is. Like, I'm not, I'm not sure we're really on the numbers in terms of impact, but it's, like, not zero. You know. Yeah, I've seen a sheep explode from from, from <laughs> oh, God. So, um, how long has it taken you to get that image out of your mind? I know, I know. Back in Wales, where I'm from, it's there's a, a big sheep population, and it's a bit of a standing joke between the other sort of uh, British countries. Mm-hmm. Um, Gum boots but, and um, Velcro gloves. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. If you um, if a sheep were to die and you just left it out in the sun, um, the first <laughs> thing to happen is the belly will um, would get much much bigger as the methane just builds up and builds up and builds up. Um, but it can get to a point where it'll then just the belly will just literally just explode and you get yeah. the worst fart smell <laughs> in the world. Oh, in God. the world. So yes. There's an image for you folks. Yeah. <laughs> you thought we were going to talk about CNC today. You. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, so the Australian, um, like, the CSIRO, which is, like, the National Science Organization, they actually had a prize for, like, food additives that would make cows fart less. Jeez. Oh, right, so, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it doesn't help, too, that, like, cows aren't supposed to eat grain. Like, we, yeah. we grow grain, and we feed them grain, and we feed them, like, high fructose corn syrup and stuff, all sorts of things to fatten them up, which just makes them yeah. fart more, you know. Poor bastards. Yeah. At least they're not uh, self-conscious. Not a good life. At least what? Sorry, they're not self-conscious. You know, Do they're you not. Think? They're not trying to hold in a fart so that no one else hears it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard a cow do that. Yeah, trying to slip one out. Yeah. Let's move on from farting cows and dead <laughs> sheep. <laughs> uh, the Toyota way, lean manufacturing. Um, we've got down on our notes. Um, is that how you're running your? I'm going to say your facility. 
Um, I wish. Is that your way of working? I wish. I try to keep it in mind. Uh, so have you have you read this? Do you do you know the? I, I know what lean manufacturing is, but I haven't I haven't read any, up about Toyota's way in any way. No. Do you know what lean manufacturing is, Craig? Uh, you you te- you school me. Do you school me. Well, I mean, I'm not like the chief apostle of lean manufacturing. I'm I'm not like, you know, fully, fully um, invested, fully like built out for lean. But no backtracking now. No backtracking. It, it's just a very. It's just a very smart, clever, simple way of of making stuff. Like, you know, the idea is that, like, you should always be looking for improvement. That's Kaizen. That's one of the principles, you know. Um, And just, yeah, if you haven't read it, like, people in general involved in manufacturing or making things, even if it's in your garage, even if it's whatever, you should read The Toyota Way. It is... So is this a book or an article? It's a book, yeah. It's a book, okay. Um, So it's basically a couple of professors that, like, went into um toyota factories and you know we're like how because at the time like you have to remember at the time the book was written auto manufacturing was very different you know like the the big three in the states um ford gm and whoever else i can't think of that one um you know they were having like lots of problems (laughs) lots of problems because like they're heavily unionized which is fine except you know, whenever the unions didn't get their way, they would, um, they wouldn't stop working. They would just work worse. Yeah. You know, use that as leverage. So there's like tons of stories of like people chucking handfuls of bolts or like empty vodka bottles in the doors of like Fords on the production line. So that, you know, people would buy their new car and it'd be like rattling like crazy and they're trying to work out what's wrong with it. And then the door's full of bolts, you know? Um, so like, Toyota at the time just was kicking everybody's butts in terms of quality. And then their system was so superior that basically everybody in the world has adopted it. Hmm. Um, Which is such a weird thing because people think of like Chinese. I mean, I, at the top of the show, I mentioned, you know, a really cheap Chinese CNC. People think hey, hold, of, hold on, hold on. Toyota isn't Chinese. Is it, is it Japanese? Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. Asian. Okay. Yeah. So uh, people automatically think um, that these products are like cheap and inferior, um, but really, what it means is they've got their shit together and they'll be able to manufacture, you know, cheaper and more effectively. Yeah, I think it can mean both things, <laughs> right? Okay. Like okay. there are definitely factories in China where it's like three hundred people, you know, paid almost nothing, doing a shit job by hand. Yes, um, yes, and then there's yeah. you know I mean so it's it's interesting right like in terms of manufacturing quality you would generally say China is toward well actually no you wouldn't you would say like India and Pakistan unfortunately are the places where labor is the cheapest so if mm. if quality really isn't the primary goal and you just want something made cheap then countries like India Pakistan the the kind of developing um, industrial nations quote yeah. unquote um other place to go right and then it's china on top of that and then it's taiwan and then like i would say japan is a place you go when you want something made you know like no holds barred like highest possible quality okay yeah okay and like stuff made in taiwan also has the reputation for being exceptionally good um especially machine tools like taiwanese made machine tools are generally speaking seriously high quality with mm. only Japanese made machine tools really being above that. Um 
so yeah, like the big companies like Moriseki that make like, you know, lathes, CNC lathes that will last 50 years and never need maintenance. Those are like main Japan. Um, but yeah, like, the Toyota way is really interesting. Like it honestly, it's, it's very, very interesting to see the transition from, you know, Ford's original production line, the first ever production line in the world, making the Model T to mm. what Toyota does. Um, Cause it really is a huge, huge difference. And this is old news in the manufacturing world. Like I'm not, I'm not, you know, telling you anything new here. But if if you haven't read it, read it. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah I'll get myself a copy. Yeah, just um, lots of lots of. I'll be little straight things, on Amazon you know? now. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's just super interesting book to like. You know, as I said, like reading about the the cultural differences um, mm. is is super super interesting. Um, okay, quite cool. apart yeah, from anything well, else. And uh, weirdly, coming back coming back to Elon, um, <laughs> just this week I saw a um, like almost like a shop tour, if you like, mm. of one of the Tesla factories. Um, so the only sort of tech blogger that I that I sort of listen to now is uh, Marquez Brownlee yep. um, from MK MKPhD, something like that. Yeah. MKHD yeah. or something like that. Um, and he, did, I think it was a couple of years ago, but it popped up in my feed for some reason where he was taking a tour of the of the Tesla factory. Yeah, it's interesting. And, um, Him and Elon just seem to like get along. So when he asks Elon yeah, for a so tour, he, he just gets it. Yeah. Yeah, and they interviewed each other, and yeah, they they, they seem to have some sort of relationship. But um, just just seeing these like robots just sort of coming past past the screen and mm-hmm. so on, you know, and it's just like, you know, it's it's just crazy to think like a manufacturing facility is is doing these kind of things. It's mad madness. Yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's super cool. I watched a video the other day on Tesla's battery manufacturer because mm-hmm. that's basically. Like the pack for the cars is like you know half of the total cost of materials, yeah. or if not more. Yeah, yeah. So like that's kind of where they're they've been injecting their secret sauce for like quite a long time. Oh, that sounded wrong. <laughs> don't don't quote me on that. Um, but yeah, like they're you know they're actually working on taking over the battery manufacturer from Panasonic that does it for them now. Um, and like yeah, that kind of stuff they're doing is just just nutty yeah yeah but you know i was reading about the the model s which is their probably their their sort of biggest seller um with regards to to the vehicles that design is sort of 10 12 years old now Mm -hmm. which you know for for a car is is crazy so i think it was only just like last week they given a a refresh which they call in the plaid and um plaid for people that don't speak welsh (laughs) <laughs> well yeah as i said that i thought yeah because pride cymru is, is a is a political party in wales yeah um um but yeah it's, it's, it is just crazy to think that you know they would head to the game then and 10 or 12 years later people are still playing catch up yeah yeah well and i really like their philosophy like their philosophy in terms of design kind of matches what i do with my knives right like you don't need to introduce a new thing every year if it's hmm. If the thing you've made is good, you know, um, make make improvements. Like they actually yeah, have a ton of improvements, improvements under yeah. the hood, yeah. right? Um, but yeah, in terms of exterior styling and stuff, like it's, I think it's so wasteful and stupid that car companies introduce new style every year. You know, yeah. fashion. Oh, yeah. It is literally so people can say, "I've got the new version." That's yeah. the only reason they're doing it. But then you have to, you like, try buying parts. You know, well, I, I guess it's usually not that hard, but, like, buying parts for an older car to fix it up. Like, why are there 16 different versions of this one little thing, you know? Like, hmm. yeah. It just seems crazy. No need. No need. And, again, whilst we're on 
this isn't going to be like the Tesla edition of the show. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but whilst we're on sort of battery power, um, did you see the mobile phones this week? And I'm trying. It was. It was a. I think it was a Chinese manufacturer. I, don't, I can't for the life of me think of their name now. Um, that have um, over-the-air charging. So, you know, we're, we're getting closer and closer to, you know, cutting that cable and, you know, now we have, you know, inductive charging on phones mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. But this is over-the-air, <laughs> so it's not plugged in. And I'm just thinking, right. what is that doing to <laughs> to our health, maybe? Um, but, yeah, I'd like, I'd love to know more how that's working and whether that, that could be scalable then to, you know, to cars and to, to powering homes. Well. Yeah, the problem is that the the inverse squared law plays against you really, really fast here. Yeah, which is you know, efficient, yeah. every time you double the distance of a sphere of radiation, you divide the power by four in within right. a given area. So it's like you know, at one meter it works great, and then ten meters it's like nothing. You know, um, we're still using that power, but it's just less efficient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, there's um some really interesting like there's been a couple of companies that have talked about like ma- microwave power links, you know. So like if we had solar panels in space, like that's that's that'd be perfect. There's no mm-hmm. clouds to get in the way. You can just make them always face the sun, and then they could beam their power down right using microwaves. The only problem is anything that gets in the way will get microwaved, <laughs> right? Yeah. And ding, yeah, and and like microwave <laughs> real quick. You can have like. You know, people say that, like, windmills are bad for, for birds. And, you know, they do kill some birds, but, like, not as many as house cats. But, like, yeah, I don't think people that are worried about birds would enjoy seeing birds <laughs> bursting into flame as yeah. they get instantly microwaved. Humans um, being microwaved, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I guess I'm less worried about the humans than the the birds. <laughs> than it, the birds. Yeah, if okay. you put up a sign that says, don't go here or you'll get microwaved, and then people go there... It's on you at that point. Well, yeah, and I think yeah, we're you know we're we're ridding the uh, the world of idiots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I don't I don't know. I I also like for this particular application, like I love Wi-Fi. I love you know three G, your five G, all 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 the Gs, you know, and then all the Gs. But yeah. like, you know, I get a wireless keyboard, so fantastic, super useful. But like, what's the problem with plugging your phone in, or like putting yeah. it on your de- on your bedside right, table? Yeah. yeah, it's probably more useful for like implanted medical devices, stuff yes. like that, right? That that's yeah. like a, an application yeah. where, like, you don't want to have to like wedge a cable in between your ribs every day. Jeez, <laughs> oh, no, you know. No. Um, yeah, maybe that kind of thing. Maybe there's a use for it. But um, yeah, it's just interesting to see that you know that's a, now a, a real physical product that you can go out and buy. Right, crazy. crazy, crazy. You could, you too, can microwave your whole family while driving your phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's a show. Um, sounds... You too can microwave your whole family. Maybe that's the. Uh... That sounds and like a title to me. Two... We don't mean you two, the band. We don't mean like Bono could go go ahead and microwave his family. <laughs> maybe, maybe he is. Maybe he is. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. So next week we'll have the um, the trials and tribulations of setting up a cheap cheap CNC. <laughs> um, if I got any hair left, we'll we'll see. But, um, yeah, thank you all for listening, and um, we shall speak to you next week. Have a great week. If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network.
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. 